0: Now uh, Psalm thirty-seven. Does anybody know what this, what this, uh, what this text is about? Who's saying? That? Freddie. Freddie. That is part of it. Anyone else? Trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. When we look at Psalm thirty-seven, Psalm thirty-seven is about uh, the security of the righteous and the insecurity of, of the wicked. So the security of the righteous and the insecurity of the wicked. You might know who wrote this particular song. David. David, all right? Now, uh, the type of song this is, the type of song, this is called a didactic song. Didactic. Does anybody know the word didactic means? Didactic means it is a teaching song. So the intention of this particular song here is to teach wisdom. And it's teaching wisdom uh, in contrast with Psalm 36. Because Psalm 36 talks about the reality of evil, how evil exists in this world. And even when we uh, sometimes sing that song, uh, Father Alone, and it says, you know, while others are us, they never more wicked. I mean, they, they seem to be living a blessed life, though they're in the wrong. Mm-hmm. We'll see that causes a, a certain type of tension. Well, 37 is, is set up to ease that tension by letting you know some things. That no matter what the, the the wicked seem to be doing or triumphing or triumphing at or anything, that they are temporary, their joy is brief, and they will come to an end. Mm-hmm. Alright, so now this 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 song here is, is a didactic. It is a didactic which is a uh, uh, which comes from a Greek word didactic, which, which means to teach. All right. So this is teaching uh, a teaching song. Now, um, something else about this song: it is it is a, what's called an alphabetical acrostic. It's an acrostic, and what that means is uh, when you look at when you look at the song, uh, it starts with the first verse. Every other verse begins with the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Verse one, take for instance, begins with Aleph. And then verse three begins with Beth, and then verse four, Gemel, etc. There are, and it goes this way for a whole. Because what it is, it's it's poetic in nature. So it's set up like a poem, and it's being, and it's uh, in, in the sense that that's the way. And everybody knows about David. He was one who was a musician, and he was a uh, he was a poet at heart. And so, as a, and so, then it alternates back and forth, and uh, and and elaborates some of the the, 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 the problems of thirty six, and how the, the teaching in thirty seven meets those uh, meets those contrasts of, of teaching. And then what we see now, there are at least four exceptions, though, to what I just said. You know, the alternating verses, there's four exceptions. Verse uh, eight doesn't do it. Verse twenty one doesn't do it. Verse twenty the latter part of twenty-eight does not do it and uh, <coughs> thirty-nine. Now a, a a key a key verse a key verse in um, Psalm thirty seven is uh somebody somebody read uh, one of the, uh, brother um Bruce, if you read Psalm thirty seven verse nine, 20, please. For evil do or evildoers shall be cut For those that wait upon the Lord. Alright, so it says that when you read that, Brother Brown, what does it say to you immediately? That you're an evil cut off from God. Right. Right, so now what should that do for you as one who is striving to live for God? to That, and should it give you a certain kind of uh, peace? Yeah. Why? God knows in Christ and all too. Right. So when you are trying to live a peaceful existence on the job, or at home, or anywhere, and you find yourself being uh, challenged or being attacked by those, sometimes it's like there's that one on a job or wherever, it's going to just keep coming at you, right? Well, instead of engaging with them necessarily, Scripture lets you know that if they are an evil doer, meaning one who has made a lifestyle of this, one who is like uh, the one here in Psalm 36, uh, I'm going to read it real quick um, just to give you uh, the the, uh, the comparison and let you know exactly uh, what we mean. It says, Your sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts, and they have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wickedly, I mean, I'm sorry, how wicked they are. They really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night Why? Hatching sinful plots, their actions are never good. Uh, they make no attempt to turn from evil. That's the wicked. That's the evil doer right there. There's your definition. So, if there are those who are uh, on the job or whoever in your life who are uh, attacking you in that way, the, psalm, the psalmist tells you right now that they are going to be cut off. Sometimes we are uh, uh, we are tempted to. Uh, engage with them, battle with them, go back and forth with them, but in reality, you find peace in God, knowing that they will be cut off if they continue in that path. All right, and so um, then we see here that something else about the psalm, as I said, it teaches wisdom, and, and the psalmist wants to answer a question and se- essentially why, uh, why do the wicked, why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? And we see, and we see that because this is what's happening as they look around and they see all of this that is taking place. Now, something else you want to take note: uh, David, David wrote this song uh, when he was in his old age. David was old by the time he wrote this. He was old; uh, he had lived a full life. We see it in verse 25. Uh, somebody read verse 25 of Psalm 37. I have been nothing not and am old. Not seen the for the to they All right, now what I want you to see there is, I've been young, now I am old. And David is talking about what he has seen. That's important. What he has seen in life concerning the righteous and the wicked. So it's important that you underline that part, seen. This is, so just like we look at uh, Ecclesiastes and, and, and his father, Solomon, was looking back. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, his son Solomon was looking back on his life uh, and recounting and saying here is, is, the, is the, the the whole sum of the matter, is to fear God and keep his commandments as the whole duty of man you have David, sir, doing it right here in a whole life, and you know David was a king, he had everything at his hand. he was a man after God's own heart he had a full life, and he's looking back, and he's saying I've seen and through this full life and experience I've seen this about the righteous, and I've seen this about the wicked. That the righteous, the righteous will prosper. The wicked, though they seem as if they're prospering, they will fail. And it's important uh, to bear that in mind. Uh, and now he's encouraging, uh, if, you, when you, if anybody has read this song, what do you think he's encouraging the righteous to do? Be patient. Wait on the Lord. What else? What? There it is—to have faith, to trust, to trust the Lord, to trust the Lord, and also not worry about the success of the wicked. Now, um, um, what does that? What does that look like when we worry about the success of the wicked? What does it look like? What does it sound like?
1: It's not, it's not like it. They're they we going fall after them. They have it all. They have, they have it all. Yes, uh going. Yeah, I was gonna say something similar. You you look at them, what they have, how they got it, and then you say, Well if they did it and I can do it, I should do it, because I don't see no other way to attain whatever you're trying to obtain. Yeah. So they, even though what they're, they're what they're doing might be in direct conflict with God's will, you'll say, "Well, you know, God I understand. I have to make a living. I have, this, I have to do this."
0: That's true. That's true. Yes. Now, notice what she's saying there. That's important because by looking at the success of the wicked and by keeping your eyes on it, it can cause. Jealousy to be born, cause envy to be born, right? Well, we know that Hebrews thirteen five says something else. He said, "Don't worry about what they have. The Lord, He won't turn on you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you, so that you can know man can't do anything to you." But it's very important to understand from the song here, from the song, that it's saying that even though they may seem successful, their success is short-lived. Is short-lived and it's not real. Remember, Satan, Satan also blesses and, and, and those who do uh, his bidding. So he's reminding the righteous. And, and you have Philippians in, in the in the margin of your Bible. You write there that, that 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 the wicked is short-lived and ultimately they're going to be cut off, right? And then and then uh, there's there's a similarity between this song and and, and uh, to one of the proverbs. Proverbs twenty-four, verse nineteen. Let's, let's go over there and read that. Proverbs twenty-four, verse nineteen. And someone else, give Proverbs fifteen,
1: verse
0: sixteen. Many are, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of the moment, right? Uh, What does it say in Proverbs 15, verse 16? Better a little with respect to God than to have gained all of that and be facing condemnation. So when making those comparisons, you have to look again. You know, what is it that I, it, 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 as I focus more on what they have, then what it is, I, then I appreciate less what I uh, what I have and what God is doing for me. Perhaps God hasn't done it yet, or he's doing something different, but still it's going to be to my benefit. Yes? What scripture was that?
1: Psalms
0: 15 Uh That was uh, Proverbs 15, 16. Oh, it Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 16. Now... <clears throat> In Psalm 37, what I want you to do, I want you right there uh, between verses 1 and 11, if you were to put a bracket right there between verses 1 and 11, when you read Psalm 37, it's good to break it down into these sections. Now, Psalm uh, Psalm 37, 1 through 11, is what's called an exhortation. And it's an exhortation to the righteous to trust in the Lord. Verses 1 through 11. It's an exhortation to trust in the Lord. So it's a reminder. It's a sense into the reminder. But then, uh, verses 12 through 20, you may put another bracket there, and these are warnings. These are warnings. And the warnings there, uh, the warning there is to the wicked. In verses 12 through 20, there's a warning to the wicked. And essentially what it's saying there is your day is coming. Days are numbered, your day is come. Then, if you look from verses 21 to 31, if you put a bracket there from 21 to 31, there's a promise there. So what we've seen is an exhortation. There's a warning to the wicked, but then there's a promise to the righteous. And the promise of the righteous is that the Lord preserves you. This is David, in his old age, looking back and says, The Lord will preserve you. as he preserve me? And then, uh, verses 32 through 40. 32 through 40. What you see there is an assurance. And the assurance there, and this is talking to both the wicked and the righteous, is saying there that the wicked will be destroyed, uh, but the righteous will be Shall be delivered. So we have verses one through eleven as an exhortation; it's a reminder that, that that is to remind the righteous to trust in the Lord. Then verses twelve through twenty is a warning to the wicked that your day is coming. Then uh, twenty-one through thirty-one is a promise to the righteous that the Lord preserves you. And in thirty-two through forty is an assurance to both that the wicked. Uh, the wicked will perish, uh, but the righteous will be delivered. Now that so then if we look at it, go go right to the verse, and let's underline some things there. For instance, in in verse one, uh, uh, brother if you can read verse uh, one for me, please. Fret not by yourself, people. All right, right there. You want to underline? Fret not. If you don't already have the highlighted the underline, fret not. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, but then uh, it says, because of evildoers, go on and read. down mm-hmm. uh, Alright, and do you see how you see the teaching here? The teaching here is he's saying. Uh, uh, fret not, and, and he said, "Don't, and neither be envious of, uh, don't be envious of the evil doers. Don't be envious, uh, I'm sorry, envious against them in their uh, unrighteousness. for they will soon be, uh, they'll be soon cut down like grass. Now, if you skip the verse three for me, so I'm not supposed to worry, and I'm not supposed to get jealous or envy or covet what they have, then what am I to do, Lord?" Read uh, verse 3. Trust in the Lord uh-huh. and do good. Uh-huh. So shall thou dwell in the land, and apparently thou shalt Now Let's look at that verse 3, bro. Now, the person, so you will say, all right, I'm not supposed to be worried about what they're doing. I'm not supposed to be caught up in evildoers. Then, because some people have been so used to being uh, uh, envious and, covet, and coveting, and looking to the right, to the left, rather than focusing on the Lord, when they take their focus off God, then they'll wonder, they'll be lost. This is what I've always done. So what else am I supposed to do? And the teaching here of the psalmist, he says what, Brother Brown, what would you say? Verse 3. Do good, so thou shalt dwell in the land,
1: and verily thou shalt be
0: fed. Now, the first thing you want to do in verse 3, you want to trust in the Lord. Now, what you're doing there, you're replacing trust in whom? you're replacing trust in self. You're exchanging that for trust in the Lord. Right? So then now, once you make that exchange, he's also teaching here that now, once you made that exchange, now use it to do good. Right? Now use your energy and your time to do good. Use the teaching and the wisdom of God to do good. Then, he's saying this, as you do good, it says, it says to dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. Now, what do you think that means, to dwell in the land?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Stay there only.
1: What you going to say, go? Uh, it reminds me, the New Testament talks about we should aspire to lead quiet, peaceable lives. You just dwell, you live your life as God provides. Peaceable. And you dwell, you just, you live there. Yeah. You, you habitate in a peaceful you know.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 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 Sister Keith did not come to Sister Bruma. Uh, and dwell in a book. Huh?
1: Dwell in a book.
0: Dwell in a book Why? or, or dwell, in, dwell in this word, in a Yes, ma'am. Could it be, um, may we
1: remember that we are a part of a
0: kingdom? Ah. Uh-huh to do good within that kingdom, trust ourselves to do good amongst each other? Yeah, and the world around us, because remember, (laughs) when you decide to trust God and no longer trust yourself, you're turning to God, and when you turn to God uh, in the New Testament, that is to become, that's to leave wickedness and become righteous, and at that moment you're added to the body which is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom here, you're in the kingdom now. So going back also to what Nico said, now once you're in that, once you have that assurance, he says now, dwell there. Stay right there. Because sometimes when you get to look into the left and the right, what will happen is after a while, it will pull you out there. And it will make you, let me go after that. No, he says stay right there. Stay in the trust that you have with the Lord. Is that is that important uh, uh, that people uh, bear that in mind, you think? Because, see, if you, you, if you dwell, because he says, trust in, Je- uh, trust in Jehovah to do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Now, now what? So the thing is, if I'm going to do good, and I'm going to dwell in his land, dwell in his word, the assurance and promise of his word, then he says, well, if I'm just standing, you see how people, you know how people, when you say, wait on the Lord, they feel like, if I'm waiting on the Lord, then I'm not doing nothing. No, that, that that's more than a notion because that takes disciplining yourself, training yourself, getting yourself to stay still, getting your mind right. And he says, while you're doing that, guess what? It's going to take some energy. It's going to take some spiritual energy. It's going to take some focus. So he says, in order to rejuvenate yourself, he says, feed, feed on his faithfulness. Yes, ma'am? I'm going to say, it's just like that song, there's much to do, there's work on every
1: hand. That's right. At the versus
0: what's in the world. there you go right now we're supposed to see the realities of the world but not be caught up in them because we have we have a job and our job is to live as those who acknowledge who acknowledge the Lord that light shines and lets them know that there's another way but if we're acting like the world thinking and thinking like the world and fretting like the world then the world is in complete chaos because there's no answer there's no way to ease this. Right? So he just stay there and feed on God's faithfulness. Meaning, God is going to stay right there. He's going to keep feeding. He's going to keep providing. He's going to keep doing for those who remain in him. So in that time, you're not going to starve. You're not going to go without. You're not going to be forsaken at all. He says, and see the thing is, some of us don't get a chance to feed on his faithfulness because we don't stay around long enough. For him to be faithful. Situations get tight and difficult, and then you know we're all over the place. Try to create some kind of comfort. but stay right there. Right? Yes, sir. bring
1: you back to a
0: reference we had this morning. I was going to in Job 31, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. God cleansed the eye upon my name. And we were out too that Job had remembered that he made a covenant with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Joshua chapter 1 So again, I made a promise to him He made a promise to me Now he's not going to forget his promise to me I'm the one who gets shaky on my end So I, I need to stay right here Feed on his faithfulness Because he's always going to be faithful but When you start to stray it's funny thing, When you start to stray from God Then you start to accuse God And you start to accuse him of not being faithful i not seeing the things that you need. Yes?
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: Can smell, he can smell anxiety like a dog smells feet. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he'll slip right in there. So if she wouldn't have been fretting or a, a concern or worried like that, then she could have done nothing. They would what? stayed right there in the lane. They could have dwelled right there and kept feeding on God's faithfulness. Right? But they let those eyes take them away. Now, verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in Jehovah, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So now, the light, meaning, now, you don't stay there out of drudgery. You don't stay there out of let me do this, I got to be, you don't stay there for that reason. You stay there, you stay in the Lord because it's a delight. When you start to feed on him, you see the richness, the goodness that's in him, the beauty that's there. And you come to realize that there's nothing sweeter than this. So then you delight yourself in the Lord. So the more you stay, the more you dwell, the more you feed, the more you give yourself over. This is what the psalmist learned. Right? And then and then he says, uh, when, when you give the, he'll give you desires of your heart. We talked about this before. The more you remain in God, uh, the more the two of you become one. And his desires become your desires. And he's going to give you his desire, and when you start to see that his desire is enough. I'm satisfied with his desires for my life. Then you'll really start to delight and really start to grow in this relationship with him. You'll start to become, right? So then when you do that, then you can do what it says in verse 5. Now, uh, uh, I I meant for you, you you, uh, underline trust in Jehovah. You do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Underline those things. Then, in in, in verse 4, you make God, dwelling in God, your delight. Then verse 5, you underline there where it says, commit thy way. Now, we know that word there also means to roll your way, give yourself over, and trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. So then whatever it is you're trying to do or seeking to do or need to do, you make sure first you want to do that for the Lord. You lay it, you put it all before him. And you know that he'll bring it to pass, whatever it is. So then here's the thing that strikes right at uh, uh, the heart of the anxiety issue. So, uh, Somebody read uh, verse uh, 6 and 7 for me, please.
1: He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to Right there. Again, the
0: person says, I'm getting antsy, Lord. I'm getting anxious, Lord. But still, the verse says there, underline that, rest in Jehovah. Now, what does that mean? When we read that, what does that break my mind for some of you? Mean when it says to rest in Jehovah.
1: Yes? When you rest, you know, you go to sleep and rest, it's a time to be rejuvenated and reanimated. You know, yeah. Regain yourself, mm-hmm. or your energy and your focusness. Mm-hmm. So when you rest in the Lord, you you rejuvenate yourself in the Lord. You build yourself. You built up, renew, refresh. And you and you receive
0: that, right? right. You will receive that. So you're going to allow yourself to re- receive what what, what God uh, what God is giving you as you as you reside as you as you remain there, right? And so then, then then I want you to see there that he says now you underline rest in Jehovah, but then it says here uh, it says wait patiently for him to act. That's very important. When it says wait patiently for him, wait patiently for him to act. Now when you're waiting for him to act, what does that mean you're doing? Keep
1: patient. No, not, and,
0: not. and keeping yourself in what? Exactly. See. <laughs> See? That's how you that acting. You quit acting long enough. You stop acting, you get out of God's way or let things happen the way they ought to uh, or they can and you can see something from this. So he says, rest in Jehovah. Now, rest in Jehovah is also to rely on him, lean upon him, right? Put your strength in him. That's what that means there. Rest in him. But then also... Uh, uh, you know when they talk about heaven, when they talk about heaven, and you know when we go to heaven, it says you're going to go to heaven and you'll and you'll rest. You'll rest. Now, how do people think when it says when you go to heaven, rest means you just do nothing in heaven? All that rest means you'll be able to receive. You'll be free from the anxiety, from the bitterness, from service. You'll be free from service to the flesh. And you'll be free to serve because we won't we'll be you make it to heaven, yes they'll be singing, yes they'll be worshiping, but you'll also be there for this express
1: purpose of serving God. Yes, sir. Um that red I was reading in Hebrew some other time. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about entering into that rest mm-hmm. and they compare the rest we enter into <laughs> as Christians. <laughs> as to that rest that God took for Himself after He after He rested on the seventh day from creating, mm-hmm. they, they the Scripture kind of linked compared the two, as far as the the rest we enter, mm-hmm. and so so
0: God God says enter His rest. He said, "Enter my realm of rest, the, where I created for me, where I rest. I'm inviting you in to my rest, right? Yes." Mm-hmm. Yes, it's like you're submitting to God and letting him lead you in whatever way you could. That's he right. Have to go. Yeah, yeah, yes. I kind of look at it too as far as we're patient with him. Mm-hmm. When you come to the world with him, you're able anxious that we leave it with him. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do sometimes, but at the same time, that's when our faith is being tested. We go around to believe it. and forget God.
1: Yeah. Time.
0: And it's also being purified. You know, you're growing stronger, see? So, so again, when you come into that that rest and say, I've come here to leave this with him, right? And I'm allowing him to take this off of me completely. And I'm going to trust him to keep that with him. So So guess what? When I'm not being anxious and got all these things going through my mind, then my mind can be focused on serving him. And his service to God is always beneficial to us. It's always. So that that's what I'll be able to do. Even now, in our existence right now, we can have that kind of rest if we truly turn these things over and know that God, he's not just sitting there idle. Know, know that he is acting on every request that you've made, that I've made, he is acting on all of the them. So if he's acting on all of these requests, then what need is there for me to jump in and act? You understand that? Uh, for those who just came in, we're in Psalm 37, doing a little Q&A right here. Uh, uh, so, and, 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 anybody my an example? Just me, So I was going to say,
1: basically, you're being at peace.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Because if you think back, uh, Cherie, if you think back even in your own life, there were times when you weren't so patient, right? (laughs) (laughs) She she said, And and, and there were times when you would look around and you would listen and be a little too quiet when it came to the things you asked God about. And you jump up and have to do something, right? Now, when you jump up and do something, how did that usually work out? (laughs) <laughs> it's all bad. It's all bad. <laughs> and you know what? It takes strength to admit that to me. It takes humility to admit, when I jumped up the though, I to do stuff, I didn't do nothing but mess it up. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am? How do you distinguish
1: the difference between jumping up and doing something on your own and jumping up and doing something as a stepping out of faith type of thing?
0: Well, the thing is, uh, when you're waiting for God to act, you got to... In prayer and in study, you're looking for the opportunities that he's going to set before you. Now, the opportunities that he's going to set before you uh, uh, are always things, and we've talked about this, it's always things that are going to draw you closer to him and help you to be more faithful to him. You have to really look at the situation and balance them honestly. you got to look at also, uh, you've got to look at your motives. When I do whatever I'm about to do, am I doing this uh, because... I, I, I'm trying to quiet this anxiety in me. I'm feeling real nervous, you know, like like you know, you know what I'm saying? Fix, fix it up. <laughs> she, she, yeah, she it. She always quick to fix something, right? But the thing is, she has to ask herself: Did I ask the Lord about it? Did I give the Lord? Did I give over to the Lord? Now have I waited on the Lord to move on? And again, you'll know when the Lord is moving because this peace. There's a peace that will come over you. There's a peace you'll see things falling together in ways that you never would have imagined. That's because you stop long enough to let Him do something. Uh, some of us we just don't stop long enough, and it can be a And that's why some of us haven't come to really appreciate the companionship. Because we haven't given himself, given him enough time to be what we need and we're always focused on other stuff we think we want versus learning to be patient. Wait for him to act. Wait for him to act and to do that. Does is that, is that, that, that make sense? It's about, it's about trusting the Lord. Then I want you to see here when it says, because of him who prosper in his way or because of the man who bringeth wicked devices. You can see them, but you don't get caught up with them. Then verse eight says something. What happens when our anxiety wells up, and it continues to well up? What what happens inside of us then? We get angry, right? We get angry. Then yes, she said we start to give away our peace, and we give away our comfort. Because we're becoming so frustrated. And the frustration now, remember, we're supposed to be feeding on his faithfulness, aren't we? We're supposed to be dwelling and feeding on the faithfulness. But then I stop feeding on his faithfulness, and then I start to focus on what? Remember, when we stray, then we start to accuse God, don't we? And sometimes we'll accuse him of being what? Yes unfaithful, we'll start to feel no unfaithfulness. So, the thing, so I get frustrated, and my anger will well up, and then, and then i can. so he says, listen, while you're waiting, and this is the answer to you, you see these evil things, all these situations, he says, cease from anger. This morning when you heard me say, you don't have to be caught up in the one, if a person is wrong. I mean, no, we don't sit and tolerate evil. Yes, you speak to evil, but you don't have to get caught up in every situation, because why? God has a way of making sure that truth will be seen. Truth will be known. So you don't have to engage every situation to make sure because uh, 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 sometimes a person, like we see with the evildoer doer in Psalm 36, they're too blind to see. Is that what it said? In Psalm 36, we go back over there, uh, uh, imagine engaging in, in, in it with somebody who, verse 2 of 36, they're blind to see. They cannot see how wicked they really are. Imagine going back and forth arguing with somebody like that. You're not going to make them see. You give them the truth so that they they can see, but you're not going to make them see. And see, they refuse to act wisely, verse 3, and do good. Uh, And then verse 5 says, But your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. How precious is your unfailing love, O oh God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house. they them drink from your river of the lights. For you are the fountain of life, the light which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen and they are thrown down never to rise again. You see that? You got to remind yourself of the unfailing love of the Lord. Keeping that in the center of your mind, meditating on it and feeding on it at all times. Remember? Now, who's writing this? Who's writing this song? Amen. And in what part of his life? Yeah, oh, listen, oh, yes, he's old, <laughs> but he's looking back and he's reflecting and he's sharing the wisdom that he's grasped. You ever heard somebody talk to me? you? Ever heard somebody say, "Pick your battles." You got to pick your battles. You can't get into every battle, huh? Brother, Brumland, bro, he, brother, I know it. I know it. You cannot do it. You got to pick them. You can't. You can't. If you go have any time, you, you got to pick them. So everything is not a war. Everything is not a war. You gotta learn that there are times when you gotta simply say, Father, Father. You made her father. You made him father. Your faithfulness will show. Because I can't say it. not another word. Because it, be, it can come like that when two people become so contentious and the situation becomes so hot that nobody hears anybody, is talking at each other. Nobody's learning, gaining, or growing So at some point, you've got to pull back and say, Father, you understand this whole situation better than me. I ask that you, that you step in here and you make this thing clear. Is that true? Do you have to do that sometimes? (laughs) Everybody under their breath. Well, I'm trying to show you how not to fret. How not to fret and say, could the Lord help me clear? Yes, sir. Sometimes you just have to back out. He may not be handling too, he'd be back. Right, because you're in the way. sometimes sometimes you gotta back out. And let it let him step in. Right? And so it says, cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself. You know why? Because it will only lead to evil doing. As long as you stay in that anxious place, as long as you stay in that nervous place, that angry place, it's only going to lead to evil doing, evil speaking, evil thinking. That makes sense. Yes. Now look at what it says. Uh, so in verse eight, you want to underline that: cease from anger. For wrath, fret not thyself. And then especially, double underline, for it tendeth only to do it evil. All right? Now, now, verse 9 says, for the people doers shall be cut off, but those that wait for Jehovah, they shall inherit the land. Now, now it says, and you underline that wait for Jehovah. Now, if you're going to wait for a Jehovah, that means you're going to be humble. You're going to be meek. Now, when we say, uh, what, does that word, meek, what does that word meek mean? Power under control. Power under control. Now, I could be all out. I could be, I'm justified and, and going. Because you know, this morning when I was talking about God having two, two natures? Now, remember, I'm not saying that he has a good side and an evil side. No, but it's saying that God's God's anger or his severity is good. And his love is good. Because both of them work from good, out of love. God doesn't have an evil side. But his severity is there to deal with your evil side. Right? And so so then when he's saying this, it says, look at me, it says, wait for Jehovah, and they shall inherit the land. So so you have the land that he's promised, right? You know, and there's another old song we there's a land beyond the river that we call the forever. You know, there, there is a promised land. Right? But you don't have to run on ahead. If you just wait on the Lord, he's taking you to that land. He has to take you to that land. If you're faithful to him, you know why he has to? Because he's faithful. And if he he has said, I will take you to that land, if you'll listen to me, then he's going to do exactly that. But you've got to trust him. So that's that's just not when we're talking about heaven. uh, It's also talking about in in situations in our lives where he wants to uh, lead us to a more blessed existence, a more peaceful existence. He wants to show us true prosperity. He's saying, just wait humbly on me. Don't exert your strength. Don't. Use that to continue to bring yourself under control. Bring yourself under control in submission to God with your anger. Because your anger makes you want to use your might, doesn't it? It makes you want to exert force. But I don't have to exert force when I dwell within the greatest force, which is God Almighty. There's nothing. I don't have to force any door open. I don't have to force any window open. Not windows of opportunity. I don't have to do any of that. Because the greatest force, if he has seen that it is good for me, then he will open it. Now the question is, will I be there when he opens the door? Will I be there when He opens the window? Will I be ready to move when He says move? No, if you're not waiting on Him. Now, stepping out on faith, like Sister Pam says, stepping out on faith is stepping out on things that you know as you learn. Those things that are that 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 represent the Lord that are uh, that are leading you in faithfulness to Him. Because sometimes you've got to sit down and look at a situation, you've got to pray about it, right? You've got to say, Lord, from what you know about me, which is everything. Uh, And looking at this circumstance, this situation, is this best for me? And Lord, whatever you decide, whatever your answer is, I'll accept it. Because I trust you more than I trust myself. All right? that's a strong statement for somebody who's been used to trusting himself. Is that right? And don't we know, we know David. David was good for trusting himself at times, wasn't he? And when you look at David's life, every time he trusted himself, what did he do? <laughs> Trouble. Trouble. Like when he, counted, when he counted his soldiers, remember that? God said, "Don't count the soldiers; just go." He said, "But well, you know, I just want to be sure." And even the man he told him to go count he said, "You don't want to do that." Because he did not say go count. No, God wanted you to move by faith, and he ended up in a bad situation. And notice what David said in that situation: "He says, God says, well, which, which way do you want to deal with this situation?" He says, "Lord, please don't put me in the hands of me." I must be punished. I must be corrected. You do it, but don't let them happen. So we have to be careful and and, 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 and trust in God and not being caught up in in what man is doing. Now, just a few things. Uh, 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 Justin, if you read Psalm 37, verse 11 for me. But the humble will inherit the
1: land and will delight himself in abundance and prosperity.
0: Now, notice what he says there. The humble or the lowly will possess the land, and they will live in peace and prosperity. Because the Lord, he is the author of peace, and those who will trust him, he promises them an inheritance. Now, when he says inheritance, that inheritance is linked to a future, right? Jesus directly quotes this in Matthew 5, 5, where he says, uh, uh, in part, he says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right, In Jesus' words, uh, and, and we see it also in Isaiah 49, verse eight, and 57, verse thirteen. So, so when we look at that, see uh, the world. Te- how does the world teach us to go about uh, gaining prosperity? Yes, ma'am. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And knowing, knowing that, listen, you don't have to rush ahead like that. You take it in stride. And you take and, and, and you don't rush it, Dave. you would be easy. Consider each thing, each step of the way. Yes, ma'am. I tell you to come to, I
1: always say on the infomercials, come to this seminar, and you will learn how to get properties and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But what it really is,
0: Give me your money, and I'll give you a little bit, and you won't have anything else after that. <laughs> <buy> so, In <laughs> <why I> <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 30, I want you to look at something. When Jesus says, inherit the earth, when he says inherit the earth, it doesn't refer to only a future time. Matter of fact, when, when Jesus is saying it, really what he's speaking about is when the righteous, when the righteous, they will come, uh, 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 it doesn't refer to a future time when the righteous will come back and live in paradise. You got to be careful with that because the premillennialists will teach that it, what it means is it, comes, it talks about the time when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up this earth, is his kingdom on earth, and then we'll have a peaceful existence. That's not what that's talking about. There, it's not what it's talking about at all. Matter of fact, Jehovah's Witnesses teach that as well. What it does refer to is the peaceful living of the righteous. Israelite on earth in David's day. Remember when we interpret scripture, you've got to interpret it in their day and then we draw uh, a lesson uh, for today. So David, he's saying, saying, you will inherit earth meaning. You're going to have peace right now. And so it tells us that if we'll trust the Lord and be humble in all that we say and do, we can have peace right now. Not as uh, those Israelites, but we are, uh, uh, but we are those who are grafted in spiritually. So we can have the peace right now, and, and they will inherit the land because guess what? They will be. Here's the thing: you'll have that peace because God has rescued you from the wicked, uh, and the wicked have been cut off. So from all the schemes of the wicked, God is steadily rescuing, you, rescuing you from the wicked, and He's cutting them off. And so therefore, by being godly, it, 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 you're going to have this long life, you can have a long life of peace in the land that God has promised. So right now, you can have peace. You don't have to be constantly dwelling in, in anxiety. Matter of, uh, uh, in, in Psalm 37, verse 12,
1: somebody read that for me, please. The wicked plot Jesus the just and gnashes at him with his peace. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Now, what I
0: want you to see here is, this is not talking about the future; we're talking about right now. So when you look at also, from that perspective, uh, third, uh, 11 and 12, it says, note this now, see this, that the righteous are inheriting the land at the same time that the wicked are among them. So this is not talking about a time when all the wicked have been flushed out, but while the wicked are right here, right now, and you see this in verses 18 through 20. Right now, uh, uh, th- 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 these things are happening si- simultaneously. Not some future time or after judgment day or when the righteous are separated. Right now, as you are among the wicked, you are—you will be blessed as they are being cut off. Right now. Anybody ever thought, thought about that? Yes, ma'am. going on in our government today, how huh? they feel like they're trying to take everything
1: away from us. Mm-hmm. You know, and in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I serve a God who is always
0: there, always walking, always providing. Yes. You know, his providence is there. Yes. So we're not supposed to worry about what they're trying
1: to take or what they're trying to do mm-hmm. because basically we're
0: not in, that, in this world, so Right. To speak. Right, you you are in it, but not of it. See, if you're not careful, see, you'll find yourself. Y'all heard? You heard that? Uh, you heard the uh, the one uh, pastor on TV who 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 said that that it was wrong for them to pray for the one who was using the people as P-R-E-Y. Did you, did you see that guy? Yeah, he's uh, he's, the, uh, he's the pastor, a black guy. He's kind of always like this. Um, he's been leading a lot of the resistance movements. But when they prayed for, when they prayed, because they had all those hands praying for Trump, he said, oh, thank you. Uh, he said that they, they were absolutely wrong for doing it. But that's anti bible Because Paul writes in Timothy that we're supposed to pray for the kings, pray for the rulers. That's what the Bible says. If you're not careful, and if you're caught up in your feelings like that, you will follow something that's false. Because they use your fear. And you say, guess what, I'm not afraid anyway. Anyhow. I'm not worried. I know I got a God who is always watching, always aware, and he will make sure that his are always provided for. And he'll take care of those. So we don't we, we don't catch ourselves caught up in that stuff. You see? And that's very important because if we do, you know what we do? We'll sit around anxious, nervous, always worried, always agitated, always messed up. Uh, we trust the Lord. And we do understand that the government is an arm of the Lord. Whether you like it or not, God put it there. And, and believe it or not, even to you, when it doesn't seem like he's working with it or working through it, He's always working his will. There's not a man, there's no man that's been born that can overturn the will of God. So he's gonna provide regardless. Uh, so that that was my, my, my little uh cue. And I hope everybody kind of understood that. Did that make sense? Alright, so uh for just a few moments, let us, let us uh I mean, I see our folks got back from uh For him, thank God for that. And we say now, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then the light from heaven filled my soul. It made my heart in love and wrote my name above. I'm just a little talk with Jesus. chapter three, verses one through four, where it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What I want to talk about for just a few moments is six things, six things uh, that we'll enjoy in heaven. Six things that we'll enjoy in heaven. Uh, the first thing is the highest the highest glory. The highest glory is the first thing we will uh, enjoy in heaven. But God has planned this place for us. This is very best. It's the dwelling place of God. And when we get there, uh, uh, we'll dwell in the highest heaven, in the greatest glory. We'll be in the greatest place, period. It's above all. Then the next thing we'll we'll enjoy in heaven is eternal life. Uh, The Bible says in uh, Isaiah 57, verse 15, uh, it says, The high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, eternity, whose name is holy. So what does that mean? We're going to inhabit eternity. We'll live in eternity when we make it uh, to heaven. And it ought to be a very humbling thought when we think about it, uh, uh, that once we get there, we'll never have to leave again. Right? And then, and then Revelation 22 verse 5 says, and, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, it's now, understand this too. Oftentimes, premillennialists they write this and say that you will reign forever. And they talk about this literal reign. But when it talks about reigning, it's not talking about reigning over people. It's talking about reigning over self you you, 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 you accomplished through God control over self. And self desire. that's how you were able to get there, by depending on the power of God. So they will reign over themselves forever. And, and then it says, because uh, 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 in Romans 6.23, the way of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ promises everlasting life to those who are going to faithful See, so some people don't even see it, but it's raining. See, in order for you to be faithful to God, you have to gain control over self through the power of God. Something else that we'll enjoy in heaven is angelic company, being in the company of the angels, right? Now, the Bible says that, that there, are, there are angels who sometimes we can entertain angels and not even know it. But then, but see, when we get to heaven, you will actually know it because you'll actually see it. You'll be in the company, we'll be in the company of them in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. it says, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands. Uh, now, now, Now imagine that. What that'll look like to see thousands and thousands of angels just flying around. Myriad upon myriad thousands. I'm talking about, you see, we don't talk enough about heaven like we ought to. Uh, and, and heaven ought to be the, 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 the goal and the object of the faithful. Huh? It, it need to be, I, I want to get to heaven. Huh? Uh, if you never think about it, you need to think about it. Huh? where I can sit in his presence. But again, don't think you get up there and you're just going to lay around. Don't even think you're going to get there and just walk around. I'd be like to walk around heaven all day. There's stuff still to do. Because what you do, you make yourself, I'm open, I'm available to, to serve. I, whatever God wants me to do, I'll do. And believe me, honey, if you make it there, you whatever, if it's just to sweep the back streets of glory, I'll do that. Because I'm just that glad to be here. What else would we enjoy? Uh, Victory songs. The Bible says in uh, uh, Revelation 5 verse 9, and they sang a new song. The Bible tells us that John, he saw this this, 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 this great multitude and the the saved who had endured the tribulation uh, throughout life. And they had come together and they were worshiping before Jesus the Lamb. And they were singing together, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 through 11, they were singing a new song. Well, why was the song new? It's a song that that, that, that appreciates and, 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 and celebrates the new place, the new dwelling. We have a new home. So there's a new song to sing to show our appreciation for it. And we'll sing these victory songs. In Revelation 7, verse 9, it says, uh, uh, It says, Of all nations, tribes, and people, and tongues, Uh, to be before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple singing praises to him over and over again now if you have a problem because sometimes people have a problem singing now we sing because partly because God commanded us to sing we sing also because we sing out of gratitude and appreciation for what he's done so what are you going to do if you have a problem singing down here And he's going to expect you to sing up there. We should be sitting here as if we have nothing to sing about. We have much, we have so much to sing about and be thankful for. Something else, something else that we'll enjoy in heaven is the end of all sorrows. The Bible says in Revelation 7, verse 17 and 21, verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying, no more pain. But you know what else? There'll be, there'll be. See, no more evildoers, but there'll be no more evil imagine, imagine, being there where there is no, pri- no prideful, no arrogance, no conceit. Hmm? There's no arguing. There's no fussing. There's no fighting. There's no stressing. There's no I'm right, you're right. There's none of that. Could you imagine being someplace like that forever? Because y'all, we're supposed to be like that now. Did you know that? We're supposed to be like that right now. Your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Supposed to be like that now. But up there, uh, uh, there's nobody trying to undermine you. There's no no backbiting. There's no, there's no, none of that. There's none of that burst of anger and and terror. None of that will exist. Uh, and, it, and if you know, like I know, when, when you go through those things, those things have a, 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 an effect on your body and your mind. They wear you down. They make you tired to the point where when you, you don't want to even deal with, talk to anybody because you're so worn down all the time from constantly fussing and constantly fighting and f- constantly just being at odds with others all the time. But in heaven, There'll be no more of that. We'll all be at rest. Too busy doing what God would have us to do. Too busy looking at those those streets of transparent gold. Too busy, right? Because what we ought to do right now, we ought to be too busy focusing on the author and finish of our faith, which is Jesus. We ought to be so busy focusing on him that the only thing we ought to be fighting about or contending for is the and then, and then, and then something else. So we'll be in a place where, there and no more sorrow, y'all. You hear me? The end of all sorrow. I don't have to be upset no more. I don't have to cry anymore. No more crying. Because should a tear start to fall, God will be right there. When it says that He'll wipe the, 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 the tears from your eyes, that means from any. It, comfort, there'll be so much comfort and consolation there. There'll be no room for sorrow. Then something else, there'll be the end, no more evildoers, no more evildoers, like I just said in Revelation 21, verse 8. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars, all liars, the proportion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is why none of them, this is why they can't go to heaven. Because they get there, they can't do nothing but mess it up. Right? Revelation 21, verse 27 says, There shall by no means enter in in anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22, verse 15. Outside are dogs and sorcerers, fornicators and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves. And practices a lie. Hmm? See, this for the folks. You know, people argue about. I, I hate liars, I can't stand lying. You, you know, you know, you, you're not supposed to be sitting around hating them. You're supposed to be living an example for. Them. Because you know, the end of those who love lying, they're not going to make it. Huh? So you should. So in, in, instead, there should be compassion. Instead, if you want to get in. That's not the way to go. Uh, Revelation twenty-one, verse twenty-five: Its gates shall not be shut at all, and by day there is no, uh, and by day there is no night there. Guess what? The gates will never be shut. See, the gates of heaven will never be shut. Shut, shut. Up. There's no evil coming in. But you know, and the gates of heaven stand open right now. You know why? Because the gates are open to everyone. But once Jesus comes to take us back, nobody can come, no evil can come in. But the thing is, the gates are open to everyone who wants to dwell in his his holy habitation. And then something else, uh, 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 and if you see there, uh, when you put those letters together, that's heaven. That's heaven. The highest glory. uh, uh, The highest glory. Eternal life. Angelic company. Victory songs. The end of sorrows. And no more evil. And no more will do that. Makes sense to anybody? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not talking about now. People always talk about no more paying, no more paying bills and all that. Yeah, I, okay, that, that, that would be nice. But what I'm talking about <laughs> you like you know what? I'm having because it just won't be no more paying no bills, <laughs> no more bills collectors. <laughs> that. But even deeper than that, but even deeper than that, my soul. And my mind can finally be at least. There's no more. I don't have to build any more emotional walls. See, I don't have to build them now. But see, there'll be no reason for me to build them in heaven because there's nobody in Huh? There'll be no more laying down and depression and all that. It'll be wonderful. And then some people try to bring those questions. Well, what about if so-and-so could not make it? What about so-and-so won't make it? Well, all got, listen, if you make it, you'll be just that glad. Not that you're being cold, but be too busy wondering now how get up in here. Huh? All I'm saying is I'm glad, I'm glad that because I heard of this place called heaven. And I know for many, many reasons, I I don't belong there. But because of the sun, I can get in there. And I want to get in. I want to go to heaven. Uh, And you know that we are citizens of that kingdom right now. So guess what, church? We ought to be living right now, as if we're already here. Did you know that? Yeah, we ought to be living right now because we are kingdom dwellers. Our mindset should be just like, because in heaven, you'll be able to look over there and there's the throne. And there's no sunshine in heaven because it all comes from the throne of God. Are you kidding me? See, he's right there. So, but we see, we miss it because in heaven, he's right there. But how come on earth, He's nowhere to be seen or found. No, on earth, he's still just right there. So we ought to be living like that right now. Peaceful. Peaceful existence. Not wrestling for control. Relationships, wrestling for control. Friendships, wrestling for control. Conversations and just circumstances. Not wrestling for, no, because we know who has control over those things. So let me not be filled with wrath or anxiety or anger. Let me not always uh, just be caught up in, in my feelings. Let me just trust him. Let me just give it over to him. Let me be better rather than bitter. Because if anybody has a right to be bitter, Jesus showed sure enough has. That. But you can't find any bitterness anywhere in his bitterness. You've got to be just like Jesus. Does that make sense, huh? And no, and no, the Satan is trying to push your buttons. You know that, Sheree. You know, you know, because they know, they know buttons to push, and Satan will come and push those buttons, whether it be through your children, through family, or whatever. They're going to push those buttons, right? But when those buttons get pushed, they have to learn that those buttons aren't connected to anything anymore. What you thought those buttons were connected to, they're not even connected to anything. You push them, you get no response. Because I'm letting God handle all of these things. I don't have time for that. So let us be better, y'all. Uh, fret not. Because there's a place called heaven. There's a place called heaven. And, and, and I don't think I know, I know I want to get there. I know I want to get there. And I know that he doesn't owe me anything. But he's kind enough to allow me the opportunity. So because he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of Bible, because he wrote my name there. I want it to stay there. Right. And I want to let everybody else that I come in contact know that you can have your name been there as well. Didn't we talk about this morning? How many people can be saved? Whoever. Whoever should come, trust and obey. So if there's no one who wants to go to heaven, then come on. And we need to talk about heaven more. We you know Heaven needs to be a part of our conversations more often. We need to sit down and study with each other about it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the jasper represents, what the pearls represent. Let's talk about what that gold streak represents, that transparent gold. Let's talk about what the crown of life, that crown is the victor's crown, the one who's overcome, which is why Paul was saying, my race is finished, I'm done. I don't have any more guilt on my hands. I tried to tell them all. Huh? You know, I said, talk talk to each other about that more, because if you talk about that more, you would realize that there's nothing here on earth that comes even close to
1: what
0: God has. So if you want to be a Christian, then come on, because the only way you're going to get into heaven is by being a Christian to child our God.